Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. I think we need to be more bold and our yeah. our people of influence need to be more bold. Now, I do not agree with the fact that just because you are a celebrity that you need to be the face of racism or racial justice. I, right. I don't think that's fair. Right. I love when Rihanna said that years ago, like, I didn't sign up to be your kid's role model. Yeah. Like, that's not my job. That's, your, that's the job of your parent, right? So I don't think that people have an obligation necessarily. But I do think that we have an obligation to really look our fear in the face and say, why is it that we're not doing something? If it's in your heart and if it's in your spirit, don't let your team, your agency, your fan club, whatever it is, deter you from doing what's right. 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 Welcome to Wow Black a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while Black. If Black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-Black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back, welcome back. I say it's an exciting episode every time, so I'm not going to say it this time. Well, we say it's a dope episode. It's a needed episode. Okay. It's needed. If there's one thing that I have learned about the potential in our people is that together we shine. With leadership, we shine. With inspiration, we shine. And with partnership, we really shine. Mm. And really, that's that's what makes our guest today so critical. She's hyper-focused on the right partnerships and the right combinations of people to drive change around us. And if we ain't working to change the world, make it better for us, I don't know what the hell we're doing. Right. And I don't want to waste any time. Most of the time I go on and on. I don't want to do that today. I want to get right into what we're talking about. I want to introduce our guests. So while Black allowed me to introduce to you Miss Alexis Feaster. She's the founder and CEO of the Kinship Advisors and focuses on creating alliances with the sports and entertainment industries 
with people who are committed to social justice and sustained impact on our underserved communities. Normally, I'd let her talk right there, but I don't want to yet. <laughs> because just in case she tries to come through here humble, uh, I want to list out some of these oh, accolades. We got we a flex for right, it. Right, right. Okay. You know, okay. You know some ahead, people come ahead. through here and they, you know, they want to, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I'm just trying to change the world. No, 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 right. no. I got three Emmys, four Oscars. <laughs> right, right. Two <laughs> Nobel Peace Prize. Right, right. 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 Martin Luther King was my granddad. All that stuff, right? <laughs> She's on the list of Slam Magazine's 2020 Most Powerful Women in Sports, Ad Week's 2019 list of 30 Most Powerful Women in Sports, 40, un- let me take a breath, <sighs> 40 Under 40, recognized by Forbes and the Network Journal. She's listed as one of the most 100 influential women leaders by the Women in Entertainment Empowerment Network. And lastly, that I have, but I, I know there's more because she already talked about magazine covers. Mm-hmm. She's the winner of the Innovators and Leaders Award by 2019 Culture Creators. Alexis, my mm. breath is gone. Welcome to <laughs> Wild Black. Something. I know Look I did. That. Ain't, no that? <laughs> ain't, ain't no Thank doubt. Ain't no doubt. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Thank How are you guys you? so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm great. I'm really great. Tell us just a little bit more about you. Anything that I, that I didn't miss, a passion, a point. Tell me something else about you. <laughs> yeah, keep flexing. We, we love that you on know, Wild Black. You know, I mean, I was just joking about Hennessy. I just won Hennessy's Black Entrepreneurial Grant, where their inaugural grant that they did with the Marcus Garvey Project. I'm super proud of that, not only because I love Henny, and it's so authentic <laughs> to who I am <laughs> as a person. Look, I, I just want a free glass. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> And he had no handy in it. It was just a glass. <laughs> Look, when I tell you on brand, if you could have a grant that's on brand, Hennessy Amen. is that. Um, no, but um, but no, I mean, you, you covered the accolades. Obviously, there's so much more, so much deeper, you know, in addition to all the things, you know, the, the things that matter most to me are how I show up for my family. I'm a, obviously a daughter, a sister, an auntie. I have four nieces that look up to me and yep. um, all those amazing things. But but yeah, let, let's jump right in. And dope as hell, with a great set of <laughs> friends and connections. Of course, <laughs> with, you know with that I list. used to play like racquetball. You want all the things? I won a, a, a gold junior Olympic medal for racquetball when I was a kid. So she just tried um, to throw in oh, like right. a, a, a <laughs> gold junior <laughs> Olympic, Olympic medal. medal. Right. Mm-hmm. The only Olympic medal I got came out of like a box of Cracker Jacks or Honey <laughs> Nut <laughs> Cheerios or something like that. <laughs> But that was that was back then. And my mama probably put that in the box for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sounds like something a black mama would do. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. My baby is a winner. (laughs) Your baby ain't one shit, woman. (laughs) Everybody don't need a medal. Everybody don't need a medal. All right. So I ain't gonna steal the shine. This is this is arts area. We getting ready to jump into this wild black shit. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So our wild black shit. No, is how it works. Three questions. Two questions to get you warmed up. And then the third question is our signature question. We ask every single guest. Okay. You ready? I think so. I'm sweating a little, but... Okay, okay. Got you. Y'all gonna laugh because I sure forgot to hit record and record. But we good because we got it over there. (laughs) (laughs) This is for promotional use. Remember that. (laughs) Let's let's keep... This Zoom shit, boy. Damn. We need a Zoom engineer just, just for Zoom. Hell, yeah, we're going to get this shit together. <laughs> well, like this, this, Y'all trying. Y'all trying. This, trying. this only is the third what? 
Yes. The fourth one is a charm. You know, we There's got a new shit. Oh, were y'all not on Zoom before? Y'all were using something else? No, we, we were just audio before. We just decided to roll uh, in. We get so much dope information just to yeah. be able to put out some nice clips, promotional pieces out into the world. We yeah. working through it. Got yeah. it. I'm and here. And we, we appreciate you riding with us as we, as we, we perfect it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Here we go. Wild Black shit. Three questions. Two questions okay. get you warmed up. Third and final question is our signature question that we ask every single guest. So I know since Henny is such an important, you know, component to any amazing night of, of enjoying life, you generally will get hungry. And when you're hungry, you generally have to eat some wings. Most of the time, unless you're a vegan. But most, most of us... Especially if you're rich wings. with negrosity, you're going to eat some wings. <laughs> you're going to knock some <laughs> wings out. I'm going to give you four flavors of wings. I want you to tell me which one you're ordering and why. <laughs> you ain't even got to give me the flavors, but go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I, I love it. Go ahead. I love it. I love it. I think I know. I know your answer better be lemon pepper I, I, wet. It, see, well, it really is lemon pepper. See, so. Okay, all right, all right. Look, I ain't even got to ask the question then. It's lemon pepper wet. You okay. got to ask the question. It's lemon pepper. Now listen. It, Bro, did you hear the accent too? When, when uh-huh, she said that? I, I heard it, it came straight out. It, it, we That's the first time we never get through the things before. It was like, oh, I can tell you right now what we ordered. <laughs> so tell me why it's lemon pepper wet. Everybody love lemon pepper wet. No, they're so good, especially mm. Wingstop version. They're just so good. Um, for me, lemon pepper is like, they are so fire. Mm. But like, it's like the perfect combination of not too sweet and a little bit of sour and a little like, I don't need all the extra sweetness from the honey barbecue and all that. So lemon pepper gives me just what I need. Mm-hmm. I can still taste the meat through the through the seasoning. That's, that's why that's my choice. It's that's like it. God is in the back with that little bowl <laughs> flipping the wings. And, yeah. you know, I know they, like, that's God's bird. It's going to come out perfect. It, it, it got to, in the, so in the season. And they fries, too? Mm. Oh, right. So good. <laughs> See, that's mm. how you soak up all the alcohol is that it mixes perfectly. I think we yes. got, we three for three on this one. I think everybody 100. on the same page on that one. All right. 100. 100. <laughs> Second question. Okay. Famous black actors. Male actors, I'm only going to give you three. I want you to pick the one that is your favorite and why out of the three. Okay. Okay. We're going to go Will Smith, Denzel Washington, or Michael B. Jordan. I was going to say, like, Damson. What's the Damson guy's name? From, uh... From Amistad and all that stuff. <laughs> no, Damson from Amistad. I mean, not Amistad, from Snowfall. Uh, I, was like, I was like, give okay. us free. Oh, Snowfall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. he, no, he's so great. Okay, from those three... From those three. I mean, I guess, like, Denzel. I know most people will say Michael B. Jordan, blah, blah, blah. But, like, and I like Michael B. Jordan, but... I think Denzel, because I feel like I can watch Denzel movies over and over again. Like, I don't care what movie it is. I can have it on in the background. Mm-hmm. I respect his craft. I respect all they craft, but, like, I would say Denzel. Because you gave me the old school choice. Yeah, I had to give you that with one little new school one. But Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's yeah. my choice. But everybody so. expects you to pick Michael B. Jordan, especially like as a woman. People expect you to say him. Mm-mm. Yeah. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. 
In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You with Denzel. What's your, what's, what's your favorite Denzel movie? Oh, man, my favorite. I just watched the... What's the movie? This is not my favorite, but the movie where he... Um, his kid was, like, sick or something, and he, like, John went to the Q. hospital. John Q. It's been on, like, three times in the past two days. That's why I probably picked Denzel. So Here's the question. That John Q. Did you cry? I did. Okay. Ah, okay. It, any brother or sister cry. who watches that movie and doesn't cry, I question your soul. Yeah, yeah your humanity. Yeah. I still right. cry. I cry every time I see it. Yeah. Yo, that oh. one. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Y'all so sensitive. I'm so sensitive. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you killed them first two questions. Now, here's, okay. here's the signature question. What do you love most about life while black? Well, A, I love the fact that Black don't crack. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how old I am. You don't know I just turned 40. I look like I'm 24. Mm-hmm. So I love that part about life while Black for me, my mama, my sister, everybody. Um, but also just, I just feel like we're just the dopest people ever. Just period, right? Like I can walk down the street and see my people. We've mm-hmm. got like a language. We don't even have to like say anything. We could look at each other, a yep. little head nod. Like right. there's just so much about being Black that we're connected I also like the fact that no matter, like, what household we grew up, we all had the same experiences. Like, when we grew up broke, we were eating frabaloni sandwiches, mustard sandwiches. Like, everybody just has the same experiences. And to me, that's just so unifying. And I just love the fact that our culture, our community is, you know, the thoroughfares of who we are as people is just so evident in everything. So I hate hate to to get Mm. unserious in there, but did you you put the little— slices on the side of the bologna when you fried it up or were you good with it rolling up on you? I was good with it rolling up. I just didn't like the I just didn't like the edges of the bread. So I would cut the edges off on the bread so it was perfect. It was oh, you was like half a circle. I, I got yes. you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. a bougie bologna off. sandwich right. either. Right she there. was like, I'm eating a bologna sandwich. Correct. But I'm thinking about the... cucumber. Right. <laughs> 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 All because when you take the edges off, it... It's perfectly surrounds the folded up fry bologna. Mm. We're gonna have to do a fry bologna class, man. On wild it's black, it's some good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's some good stuff. Well, I still, if people wouldn't judge me, I would buy it and still eat it today. Hey, man. But, hey, fuck you, the you can, yeah, yeah you, absolutely. You can invite us up. We'll eat. We'll, eat we'll, your bologna. We'll, yeah, kill it. Right. Eat your bologna. Yes. Well, look, you killed those three. Right, that is true. You killed those Thank three you. questions. So, all right. Bro, let's get to the next section. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so we're going to jump into the dope quote real quick. And the dope quote is something history, religion, science, math, entertainment, doesn't matter. It's typically from the mouth of someone black and has relevance to what we're talking about today. Today is actually not from the mouth of someone black, but I just thought it was fitting given the conversation we're about to have. So I'll read it, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it as soon as I finish. It's a short one today. Alone, we can do so little. Together We Can Do So Much by Helen Keller. When you hear that, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Facts. I guess you say it it. like, 
straight facts. That's it. Yeah. That's, That's how it. I live my life. That's how I believe. So Helen Keller knew what was up. Connection, synergy, energy. <laughs> Bro, anything come to mind for you, man? The the fact that Helen Keller said that. The right. the, 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 the level of of without all the senses, she came up with that and knew how powerful it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. All right, so let's jump into this to this conversation. And the first question is easy. Explain to folks how you got here and what you do at the Kinship Advisors. So I'm from Southeast D.C., which I don't know if anybody knows Word 8. It's where Mary and Barry came from. I know let's that go, name. Let's go, Mary and Barry. I know that name. <laughs> that should just let you know right there where I grew <laughs> But I grew up in D.C., Southeast D.C. I saw all my people struggle, right? Like, at the end of the day, growing up in those neighborhoods and walking up the hill to the Covenant House and volunteering and seeing my people and just seeing how we struggle without resources and help and all, all the different things. That's what sparked who I am as a person today. Like I was, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old doing that, volunteering in those ways. Um, but, you know, so that's my background. That's my history. And as I, you know, matriculated through school and had different opportunities, there was always a thoroughfare for me. And it was like, how can I help? Because I didn't, I didn't have any connections. I didn't know people who knew people. I was just, you know, regular, you know, regular, regular, regular girl, you know. Yeah. And it was just one of those things where, you know, I always knew that people of influence can make a bigger impact, you know, even from a young age. So I was always really targeted on if I'm going to, you know, graduate from school and I want to move to L.A. and I want to figure out how to activate, you know, again, like people to do more for my people. Right. Because I knew I didn't have the money. I didn't know I had I knew I didn't have the resources or the power or the plugs or the connections. But I knew that I had a really, really strong ability to influence people like that was like my superpower. People would. People trusted me and people would do what I asked them to do and people would follow me um, and people believe me. And I take that really, really seriously. And so to have that and to kind of know early on where your superpower lies as a person, I knew I didn't have the financial means, but I knew I had the spiritual means and I knew I had the the means of persuasion. And so understanding that at a young age and, you know, doing jobs and going through the process of, you know, I worked at NBC, hated my life. Like <laughs> I was in PR and I'm like, this is horrible. Like, like I'm over here trying to help like famous people more, be more famous. Been and there. you know, it was a great opportunity, but it was not cool. It didn't sit well with my spirit. I started wearing juicy couture sweatsuits to work. So like, <laughs> it's time for me to go. <laughs> Look, I'll never forget that. My my best friend at work at the time, she was like, girl, you know, they talking about you. The white folk, they talking about you because you wear juicy couture. I'm like, I clearly don't care about this job. Um, so from that moment... <laughs> she like, they, I, they mad that they ain't juicy enough to wear it. That's the problem. Right, right. Don't exactly. hate on I'm me. Like, this ain't my fault. Right. I'm like, but... <laughs> but I tell that story to say that, like, I was having a reaction to things that didn't matter to me, right? Like, yeah. I was physically not able to show up in the world the way that made myself proud. And so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I left that job. I was like, this ain't working for me. Um, and I went and worked in, in the music industry and I worked at Interscope Records and it was so much fun. And then I got a call from a guy who had a recording studio and he said, you know, if you'd be willing, I'd like to recruit you out of, you know, out of Interscope and come help, you know, help me run the studio. And I'm like, do I get to do whatever I want? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, bet. I'm like, I'm running up. a whole community program. Yeah, I'm like, I'm running a whole community program at your joint. I'm bringing all the kids from the hood to learn instruments. Like, I was like, this is great. I could actually finally, and this was in, you know, maybe around 2005, 2006. 
I was able to take my love for music, the ideas that I had around people of influence and implement it at a place called Wobble Flow Studios. Mm. And in that studio, like my first client was Rock Nation. It was when they just signed J. Cole and Bridget Kelly and Rita Ora and everybody. And they all, you know, they booked out my studio. And so I was able to have them in there and bring in young kids to learn different things. I had, you know, Nas came in and Snoop and everybody, every time they would come and record, I would say like, don't you want to teach a little kid how to like write a rhyme or Tony Royster, don't you want to teach a kid how to play the drums? And so it was my vision as a kid coming to life where I could be in the studio and see these people that were my idols and my, and my heroes, right? Like be heroes to the people in the neighborhood. And to be able to be that person that it wasn't about cameras, it wasn't about money, it was about access and opportunity to change someone's life just through a conversation and through time. And so that's how it all kind of got started. And make a long story short, I got a phone call from someone who was working for this guy named Barack Obama. And they were like, yo, you know, which this, this <laughs> dude, this cat on this weird this dude, name. Barack Obama, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got a phone call. They're like, we heard what you're doing in L.A., you know, would you be willing to move to Chicago um, and run our athlete and celebrity strategy? And I was like, I'll leave all my shit here right now. <laughs> right now. And I'm like, <laughs> but I don't even need, I ain't got much, but I'll leave all my little stuff I got and I'll leave right shit. now. Right. Right. They were like, slow your roll. Like, you got some time, but we want to, you know, you can't do anything else. Like, you got to come here full time. No, no problem. Moved to Chicago. My job there working for the president was to activate Black people around civic engagement. And then I went from there, worked at the NBA for six years, leading all their civic engagement, their player development programs, creating all kind of new stuff for them. And then I went to the bubble. um, And from the bubble, you know, as you can imagine, everything was happening with Milwaukee walking off the court and George Floyd and everything that was going on there. And being a support to my people, you know, I already knew we weren't giving them enough support, right? Because, yeah. you know, our, our players, basketball players, like they were ready to go. They're activated, right? Like they, they mm-hmm. want to make a difference, but they need the resources and people to help them with, their, with that legacy work. And so I launched the Kinship Advisors and I was scared to tell. I'm like, are people really going to hire me if I'm not with Obama, if I'm not with the NBA, if I'm not? Like, so I had that moment of, of, of my identity being tied to all these like super high profile businesses. And in reality, after talking to players and talking to other folks, they were like, people fuck with you. Yeah. Like, that's what it is, right? Like, people fuck with you. So it don't matter where you're at, where you're doing, what you got going on. Like, it's you. And that that encouragement is is what led me to where I am now, working with dope athletes, really, like, doing such amazing things in the community. Um, so that's how I got here. And kinship is... At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's popping. Man, wow. <laughs> there were so many things I picked up in that. Here two of them. And I'm going to divert from where we were going to go with the questions. Uh, but the first thing I want to say is the entire time you were talking, all I could hear was your theme music, which was Lil John and, and Scrappy Get On My Level. That's all I could hear the whole time. <laughs> like, you know, I love both of them. And Scrappy, too. I love me some Scrappy. Get on my level if you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you can't, follow me. That's what I heard the whole right. time. <laughs> but um, 
in, in all seriousness, one thing that you said that before we even dive into more of your work, I'd love for you to expound on because it's something I think that we fundamentally have a problem and an issue overcoming. I talk to people almost daily about moving past their fear, taking action. I use the phrase that fear and faith can't be bedfellows. Like that's one of the ways that, that I communicate that to people. And, and you speaking very openly and transparently about this fear that you had, will people fuck with me when I don't have these other names behind me? But the, I think what you forgot is you had a name as well, right? So talk a little bit about how you overcame that fear and stepped out and created. I just think that's important to start. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it took a lot of encouragement, to be honest. Like, so I was, I had a lot of people saying like, of course, you're going to be great. Like, you're Alexis, you've done this, you've done that. And I I hear you like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But that's different from people telling you that. And you actually, I got a mortgage, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, that's cute. But I have a mortgage. I have all kind of other stuff. I've got goals and things I want to do. And so for me, what it took was, first of all, was like voicing. So as, as easy as I can talk about the fear right now. Yeah. I was afraid to even voice it, right? That people were going to be like, oh, you know how people try to coddle you? Like, oh, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. You shouldn't, like, so I was, I didn't want to hear that, right? So, but for me, I I saw that I was spiraling. So I launched in January and like two weeks into January, I was like, I'm like tripping. Like, do I need to go look for a job? I thought Mm. about like, literally like going and looking at applications online. Like I was going through this weird thing only two weeks into me launching. And I said, I got to tell, I got to talk to somebody about this. I got to tell people that I'm struggling with this, this fear. And so I started to tell people like all my friends that would check in on me and just talk to me regular. I would say, look, I need some encouragement. Mm. Like, I just want y'all to know right now. I know I'm the strong friend. I know I'm the whatever friend, but I need y'all to know that I'm struggling right now. And I feel like I'm scared, right? Like, I feel like I'm afraid that this won't work yeah. or that I, I took a leap at the wrong time. I'm in a pandemic, like, and yeah. literally like, and I could call him out, Denise Booth. And, you know, Amber Carter and Quinn Rowan, all my homegirls, like. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again, because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. You know, Denise works at the Clippers. Amber worked at the NBA. Quinn now works for me. Um, You know, like I was telling my homegirls and they're like, no, you got this. Like, don't let the fear creep in and, and like stifle you and paralyze you. And so I think I would say that to anybody else. Like when you're feeling these feelings, tell people because it seems like a vulnerable place to be. But them telling me like and checking like daily, they'll be like, girl, did you get a new client today yet? Cause you know it's coming, girl. We was praying for you. You know, like the the tribe. You know how black people do. The tribe. Everybody was like, my family. Like you got this. And literally, like that next month, I was I was getting like bomb, like Drew Holiday. Like mm. you know, I was getting like people were coming in. 
And now the, my, those same homegirls are like, remember seven months ago when you was all upset <laughs> and you didn't know, like now they're clowning, right? Like, remember when you were crying on the phone? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Right. And I'm, they're like, look at you now. Look at you now. Like now, now, like I said, some of them work for me. Right. Like in that short period of time. So anyway, like I, that's what I would say is for me, it was voicing it out loud and not being too prideful to tell people that I was yeah. in my head a lot. And I think yeah. that getting out of my head and just being real confident in what, who I know myself to be. And also, like I did call a couple of people and be like, you told me you was going to hire me. Uh, remember right. how you promised me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Where, where's that accountability? Let's let's right. let's get some contracts right. and get some on paper. That's right. Yeah, and and I'll be honest, like none of those people are the people that ended up being the people that came and hired me first. It was the people that I built long term relationships with that hit me up, and it was the family of those people that hit yeah. me up, and they were hitting me like, "Do you still have room on your roster?" Right? Mm-hmm. Like they were hitting me like they thought I was so booked up already. Mm. They're like, "Is there space for us?" And I was like, why, why, yes, there is, actually. You know, let, me, let me check and make sure. I'm so, you know, give me a second. Let me check. I have my people right. get back to you. Give me a second. Let me, yeah, let me have my assistant call you. I think I have space for you as a client. Um, but but no, like all jokes aside, like that's what happened. And yeah, you know, that, that's, that's cool. why I was able to get past it. Yeah. I love it. So mm. names matter, right? The your name matters, my name matters, the the things that we call people matter. Right. And when you get the opportunity to select a name with intention, um, that matters. The name, the kinship, right? The moment I say it, the moment I think about it, I have feelings inside of what that means. I'd love to get your thoughts on why did you name it that specifically? And what was your intention when you did that? Yeah. My intention is exactly what you just said. I wanted you to feel Mm. what we do, I wanted people to feel it because. I know how I feel when I think of kinship. I thrive when it comes to kinship, when it comes to community and family and unity and bloodline and all the things that define what kinship is. That's where I know that I thrive as a person. You don't always get that in the corporate world. You don't always get that in life, period, right? But one of the things that was important to me is I wanted my clients and the people that worked on my team to feel like family. And the way to define that to me was to name my company that. Now, I had a bunch of different iterations. You know, I was sending my, my mom and my dad different stuff. And, but kinship was always, always a part of it. Like, I know I wanted it to be that. And I'm like, should it be the kinship advisor? Should it be kinship and kinfolk? Kinship and kinfolk <laughs> will be something different, though, FYI. I was saying, <laughs> that's a dope ass name. And, yeah, K and K. Oh, oh, it's a whole other thing. I'll tell you, that's the future of kinship is right, kinship and kinfolk. Love it, love it, love um, it. But like, but it, it, mean, it means something to me. And so every time, even now, sometimes I'll go back and just Google kinship just to like look at the definition yeah. and remind myself of, of why it's that. And that's why I picked it is I want yeah. people to feel that way. I treat my, the people that work with me like family. We talk about whatever. I actually was talking to one of my coaches, you know, I'm a life coach, but I also get coached and get therapy and all the different things so I could be my best self. And I was talking to, to one of my coaches today and we were talking about, you know, vulnerability with your team. And I was talking about being vulnerable with my team because my team is like family. Now, granted, that could bite you in the behind. And that's yep. what I was asking her about. Like, at what level do you take it too far? And, you know, she was just validating and affirming me. She's like, you have your intuition is so good that you're not going to take it too far. Like you are creating a feeling where people would do anything to work with you and do anything to support what you're doing. Yeah. And I would do the same for them. And that's what yeah. I want to evoke with kinship is I would do anything for you. And I want you to do anything for me. And that. there has to be a feeling around that, you know? 
I'd love for you to take mm-hmm. just a second. I'm, I'm sure all of our listeners are now wondering, like, what does the kinship really do? So take a moment. You've mentioned your clients, right? Take a moment and, and talk about what it is that you do for your clients and, and then take a second step and talk about how that work impacts the masses of people. Yeah. So for my clients, you know, I, first of all, my, my clients have to have a certain kind of personality, right? If I can, as a, as a celebrity, I, I work with athletes and artists and people of influence, right? If I can't deal directly with you, you're not a good client fit for me. Mm. If I got to talk to your person, your person's person or your auntie's person, but I'm messing yeah. with you. We're not a good fit, right? So I'll just say that off the break. Like I tell people that if I can't talk to you and deal with you, then we ain't good. Like this ain't gonna work. So like with my clients, we get to know each other, but it's really about building their legacy, right? Social impact work is about changing the community. But when it comes to dealing with people of influence, it's really about their legacy. So that's where the conversation starts. What legacy do you want to leave off the court, off the stage? What does that look like to you? Like, where did you come from? Right. So a lot of my work starts with starting there. Like, you know, Drew came from, you know, Compton in L.A. Right. Like you came. Lauren Holiday came from where she came from, Indianapolis and and all these other different spaces. So we sit down and we figure out what do you want your legacy to look like and what do you bring into the table? And so for, for someone like, you know, the, the JLH fund, he donated his salary to be able to give to Black-owned businesses and nonprofits so that they can thrive and survive. So my job is to find those businesses, to help him and his wife distribute that money, to actually create programs and resources to help them thrive. This isn't just about handouts. So at the end of the day, like the work that we do starts with b- becoming a part of, you know, who our clients are, are trying to, the legacy that they're trying to leave. And yeah. my team comes in and helps to, to help them make that, you know, a reality. But then deeper, I'm an innovator, right? Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm like a, I dream big, right? So like, I hear what you want to do, but over here, I'm like, we're about to blow this whole shit up. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I know this is your thing, but like, I got an idea over here. I got a way to do this. And so that's what I love about the people I work with is we want to be disruptors. So if you're working with the kinship, you're trying to disrupt something. You're trying to disrupt the system. We're trying to disrupt it with you. I know people who know people. So we're trying to like get all our connections into play. And the the whole idea around the kinship is, again, about community so that everyone who works with us is also part of the family, right? And I think that's one of the, when you ask about what's the bigger play here, how does it affect everybody? If I can help your heroes and the people that you look up to reach back out to your neighborhoods and your communities, we all benefit. You know, if I can get them to collectively do it as a unit, we're benefiting double time, triple time. If I can get them to utilize that power and change laws and change policies, oh, we're in, we onto something now, right? Like if we can really collectively oh, yeah. start to move the needle, then everybody in the world is going to benefit from the work that the kinship is doing. And that's my goal is to get us all activated in this way, using the people of influence and power that care right. and disrupting the system. I love that. What what I heard was. You partner with people of power and influence to create disruption and sustain positive social change in our communities. Did I encapsulate that well enough? Yes, beautiful, that was it. Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, I just, <laughs> I just think it's, it's important because I have the feeling that a lot of people who sit in the consumer seat see these things happening from a distance and think that they're one-offs. Or they think that it, mm-hmm. it, it's just something that just happened in Detroit, right? They, they don't necessarily understand or see the strategy behind something and then how it relates to them, even when they're not in that market. So I just think it was really, really important to kind of lay that out. 
but but understanding that you work with these athletes, these influencers, these celebrities, and it's about like activating their voice and and moving forward. I want to ask about your thoughts on Laura Ingram and her comments a few years back now uh, when she told LeBron James to shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm. What do you want them to do, right? You want the opposite of shut up and dribble. So what is that for right. you? <laughs> yeah, that's like scream, like disrupt, like blow shit up, like not to be funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but I was like up. this even, yeah, I was like this even at the NBA. I'm like, guys, what are they going to do to you? Nothing. Right. Honestly, like nothing, nothing is going to happen to you. Right. And this is across the board. Like nothing. What, what you're going to lose a couple of racist fans. Right. Yeah. Is that what you're tripping off of? Like, I need us all like that. This is one of my biggest just in general pet peeves is not even a pet peeve. It, it makes me a little bit sad. It's like the reality is we will have influence and power and still have fear. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what are you afraid of? hmm. You know, like, what is it about the idea of speaking up for your people? What is that? You're, yeah. you're so afraid of your Nike deal? Yeah. Really? Like, do you think Nike's going to drop you because you said support Black people? They would never do that. Are you crazy? Like, they would look crazy, right? And so I, I would say the opposite of that. I think we need to be more bold and our yeah. our people of influence need to be more bold. Now, I do not agree with the fact that just because you are a celebrity that you need to be the face of racism or racial justice. I I don't think that's fair. I love when Rihanna said that years ago, like, I didn't sign up to be your kid's role model. Like, that's not my job. That's that's the job of your parent, right? So I don't think that people have an obligation necessarily. But I do think that we have an obligation to really look our fear in the face and say, why is it that we're not doing something? If it's in your heart and if it's in your spirit— don't let your team, your agency, your fan club, whatever it is, deter you from doing what's right. Yeah. And I think that's, to me, the issue that yeah. happens all the time. And I think the other thing is that you've got so many high-powered high figureheads, the LeBrons of the world and all that, where everyone underneath them is looking for them to be the voice first, yeah. or they don't say anything. Yeah. And that's my other thing that bothers me is like, that's not your daddy, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't have to wait for anybody else to say anything. You've got right? your own like, voice. And I think Exactly. And I think across all fields, all genres, that would be my, my conversation to each one of us. It's like we all have all of this power and we, we need to not be afraid to activate it because we're going to protect our people, yeah. right? Like we're not going to let you go down like that. But we're also looking at the people who could do something and saying like, what are you afraid of and what yeah. are you scared of? And most of the time they're afraid of perception. Yeah. They're afraid of losing some money and they're afraid of something that's not even real. Yeah. And that that's that's my issue. That's what yeah. I wish we we looked at differently. Worried about what people think about you now versus what they say about you when you're gone. When they forget the exactly. the dollars that you have and it's only about the impact that you created. I'm with that. Right. I'm with that. Exactly. But the the kinship is only a piece, right? I'm going back to our pre-call. The kinship is only a, a piece here, right? You're you're involved in in another organization that's about equitable access and, and protege. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, I'm so excited about Protégé. So a couple months back, I met the founder, uh, Jackson Jen. And you know, when you meet somebody, you're like, huh, we talk about, the, we thinking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about disrupting society over here. But I also had the idea of how do we connect people of color to do, to give back more in more seamless ways. Because I know a lot of my peers and a lot of people that, that I know in general, we want to volunteer, we want to give back. But I don't know about y'all, the first thing that, that goes by the wayside because I'm so busy with work is the fact that I used to volunteer all the time at the Covenant House. Yep. And that bothers me. It literally, it bothers Like, I feel, I feel like 
I feel a lot of feelings around that, right? That I have time to work so hard on all these different things. And the thing that gives me most joy, which is giving back physically, like being out in the streets with my people, I don't do it as much as I used to. And there's a lot of people like me that feel that way. And a lot of executives and people that just, we, we just don't have the time. But so I was trying to figure out a way to, to create the, a platform to make the time for us. And I met this guy and he, he's created that. It's called Protege. And so literally any expert all over the world. So like you guys, artists, athletes, chefs, we can get on as, as experts in our field. And, and what makes us an expert is like, have we been doing this? Can we give sound, good advice and feedback and create opportunities for other people? And you get on this platform and you look for your protege. And when he was explaining this to me, I'm like, damn, that's it, right? You, yeah. you hold people to the fire, right? So her is on the platform. We launched with BB Rexa. We've got all these people coming up that, that are launching. Ninth Wonder just launched. You know, he's going to do a whole instrumental album with somebody. Like, just pick a person that he sees talent in them, regardless of their connections and regardless of what school they went to. And he's going to do a whole, bring to North Carolina and do, do a whole album with this person and put it out on JMA Records. Like these are life-changing opportunities that are hell. on this platform. Yeah, that's and, powerful. you know, for me, oh, it's so dope. And so I came in, I'm the new managing partner. Yay. Which I'm so <laughs> excited about. <laughs> I'm the global more, more head of accolades. sports entertainment. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I like the way that sounds. Um, the, the global head of sports and entertainment. And I'm working with people that I believe in every single thing that we're doing. And I think that, you know, y'all are going to look up and be like, damn, like, instead of, you know, forcing your kid to go and do blah, blah, blah. Like, let me let me get my kid his Christmas presents. Let me get him on protege so he can talk to his idols so that they can give him encouragement or her encouragement around the the profession that they're trying to do. And not just encouragement. One person out of each you know experience gets a life changing opportunity. So somebody's going to fly to L.A. and be in the studio writing music with B.B. Rexa. And that's going to change. You're going to have writing credit on the album and get. It's like, life, life changing stuff. It's life changing yeah. stuff. Everything we do is about a life-changing opportunity. Um, and I'm just happy that I met them. And I met them early in the stages, too. So it's another startup that I get to be at the ground floor of. And it's just, it's, it's dope stuff that we're doing, man. That's awesome. How, how do people tap into that? How do they get involved? Yeah. I mean, for them to apply, like, going to protege.com is how you see who's in the queue. Mm-hmm. You, it's so easy. You literally pick up your phone. You apply. You say, hey, Vince. You know, I want to be the next podcast host, blah, blah. I see you have this opportunity for me to be your new co-host. Let me show you what I'm working with. Vince, you see me, you pick me. Protégé helps to make the connection. And now I get to go and have my first shot at, you know, producing a podcast, right? So, like, it's that easy just by going to protégé.com. That's so damn cool. To make it that, it's, I'm telling you, I'm so excited, y'all. That is so like, cool. <laughs> wow. Wow. Stuff. And we're actually, like, officially launching next week, but... Before anybody's even really known about us, for us to get people like, you know, Brian Kelly from Florida Georgia Line, and like I said, her and BB Rexa and Diplo and all these different people on the platform because they believe in what we're talking about is exciting. But y'all need to get Diddy and Otavio on there, get them mentoring, Look, teaching. Oh, Otavio's already—he already on. Oh, he he is? Already, he's already a ver- <laughs> he, he's, he's what we call a verbal yes. So we just have to get his page up, but. <laughs> Hmm. But he already said that he's good to go. So we, I'm definitely getting my boy on. That's dope. So when I think about the work you're doing, like heart work is, is what it feels like. It's work from the heart, work intended to build the soul, work intended to make the community better. Like that's, that's what I feel. And again, I'm going back to our pre-call. There were, there were three things that you said 
were important to you and to the work. I'll, I'll read each one, but I would love if you'd just take a second, explain it. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Talk about why it's important and then what understanding can do for the people from a profit standpoint, from a capitalization standpoint. Just kind of expound a little bit. So the first one was the power of community. The second was the power of access and connection or the power of protege. And the third was the importance of building. Take a second and just break down for everyone listening why those are important. The power of community is literally, you know, I think that's self-explanatory, honestly. Like, but I think the problem though is that we have our our community works in in pockets. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it's it's natural, right? Because you are where you live, you are who you know. But I think that we need to activate community in a bigger way. I think of grassroots in the way that we worked with Obama. Yeah. And I I feel like at the end of the day, like even if I look at my network, right? Like, I think we all, I said this to someone the other day. I'm like, we're all kind of in the same industries. We're all cool. But like, what are we doing to break bread together as a Black community, right? Like, what is that? Why is it that there's always been this issue to bring business to each other, right? We act like that's not true. Like, nobody wants to admit that, you know? But the reality is, is that we don't look at ourselves in the way that we should as a community, right? If I've got the skill set, what are you afraid of? And I think part of it is that it used to be old school that people want to be the only one. But I think more so now it's people don't want to vouch for you, right? And mm. I think that that's, that that's that's a problem. So to me, the power of community is like, let's look at all of our resources all around us and figure out how to activate and get tighter. Because when you see these other cultures and how they've been able to thrive, I look at the Asian culture. You talk about community. My nail girl was telling me about what they do one time. And, and she was so honest with me. She said, I, we all come here to the United States and we sleep at the nail shop. Mm. We sleep here for five years. This is my L.A. nail, nail girl. Yeah. We sleep we sleep in the back of the nail shop for five years. It's not like it's horrible conditions. Like right. you got mattresses and beds for five, the same way. I slept on my cousin's floor for two years. Right. Trying to go to L.A. and like make it and get jobs and stuff like that. But she said the, the whole point is that five year sacrifice at the end of that five years, we all get our own shop, a deed in our own name. Damn. Really? So that's how y'all out here balling? She was like, everybody, you make a five-year sacrifice. You move over here, you sleep in the back of the shop, you work, you do the nails, you do what you got to do. They going to feed you. At the end of the five years, everybody gets their own shop. That's vision, strategy, activation. That's everything. Oh, my God. It's community. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's deep. It's everything. It is so deep, but it's so beautiful. It's the same method, what they do with the laundromats and the same method that you see all the time, it's, but it's because in their community, they understand sacrifice, yeah. right? They understand that building around each other is how you create generational wealth. It's how you create opportunity. And, and that to me is what I wish when you say like, what do I want for our people to, to learn about or to think about when it comes to community? I want us to hear that story, right? Mm. Like if someone were to come to us in our community and say for five years, all you got to do is sleep in the back of here. You already sleep in the back of somebody's house anyway, probably, right? right? Like yeah. not to be stereotypical, but like, not even to get an opportunity to get a house. But like, imagine if we explicitly said, if you make the sacrifice to work for five years and I'll give you your own thriving business with mm. your own, with everything and people to come work for you because then they got to sleep in the back and they have to sacrifice because then you're going to pay it forward. Mm. Yeah. See that structure. Would you say yes to that? 
Yeah, the structure. The structure. The structure and the, it's the, so structured. Yeah, that and is amazing. It's amazing. And that's what I want for my community. I want us to see ourselves in that way, that if we do this, and then the outcome will be that, right? Yeah. And, I, and I don't think that we're there yet. I think the beauty in that is the folks who go through that process, they, they start with faith, right? You've got to have faith in mm. this person that's going to position you. In return for that positioning, you're going to work, right? You're going to learn. You're going to contribute to another dream while you build your dream. And then what's required of you is like opening the door and sending the, the elevator back down, so to speak, when you repeat that process. That's, I mean, that's beautiful. Like, I look at so many of our families, and, and we can't even seem to figure out a way to all come together and live under one roof for one year so mm-hmm. we can save some money, right? And, and right. hearing that kind of sacrifice and dedication for five years, understanding the payout, like you see it on day one, you know where you're going, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah, Indians Isn't got it? a thing like that as well. And especially Indians in tech have a thing like that in organizations where they bring folks over. They, they live in one house on mattresses, but they eat and they have an amazing community. And then as they develop and grow, they bring more people to develop and grow with them. And it, it just keeps propagating. So the question, I mean, the, the beauty of that is what are we doing like that? Or how do we yeah. get to a point where we can actually have a pipeline that looks like that that's really structured? Yeah, I was even thinking yeah. about, like, my family in Mississippi, most of them have died off and sold the land. But as I was growing up, we had this huge section of land. It was acres. And everybody's family lived mm-hmm. on those acres. So we yep. collectively paid them off. We divided them up. Everyone owned their property. But what happened is, as the older generation died off, the younger generation didn't want to stay there. They began selling. Yeah. We owned a whole block, maybe maybe two blocks in Jackson. And I think now, I think we maybe own two lots. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a big difference in that. Man. I think that's a perfect example. Like the real estate that we've had as, as people. Mm-hmm. I just saw that, you know, it was 100 years ago where people of color, Black people owned 0.5% of land in the U.S., and today, Black people own 0.5% mm-hmm. of land in the U.S. How is that possible? How are we mm-hmm. the exact same place 100 years ago? <laughs> like, how? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and we're not even tripping off of that? Like, mm-hmm. we're not having, like, meetings and secret meetings? And right. that's my other thing. Like, we need I'm trying to. to have all the right. secret meetings. Like, like I'm a trying real to think tank. Alexis, you call yes. the meeting. I'm showing I'm, up for the I'm, meeting. I'm, I'm going to be there. Let's go. That's Kenship and Kim folk. I was w- telling y'all. With my Hennessy in hand, ready. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but look, so one of the things that, that, that becomes apparent, overly obvious for anyone who spends any time digging into you or for the wild black listeners who are listening today, you know that she gives a damn about us, right? She cares about people. And when you look at the work and you read articles, you hear conversation about the intersection of culture, entertainment, and civic engagement. So, Alexis, what, what I want you to do is visualize this intersection that you work at. Like, make it a physical place. What is the representation of that in your mind? If you had to tell people listening, what sits at the intersection? What is physically at this intersection of culture, entertainment, and engagement? What do you see when you stand there? I, I look at, I see like a block party. Like, mm. <laughs> the visual, All I don't know why that comes to mind. I see like a block party. Like, I love a little block party, little neighborhood, something. So like, when I when you say that to me, the visual I see is literally a Black people block party in the yeah. neighborhood. I see culture. I see music. I see joy. I see little kids running around. I see our future. 
I see booths where there's like the social impact booth, the voter registration booth, mm. the booth where you can walk up and you need a grant for to pay whatever it is and you walk right up mm. and we make that happen for you, right? Like we we that's always been my dream since I was a little kid. It's having the, the ice cream truck where I go around to the neighborhoods and ask, what what do you need to be blessed with today? And I yeah. give it to you, whatever yeah. that is, whatever yeah. amount you say, whatever it is that you say you need. That's my dream in life, honestly, to be able to do that and ride around. I don't know why I want to be an ice cream truck, but <laughs> like I want to be an ice cream truck. <laughs> and be like, you thought this was ice cream, but what do you need today? How can I bless you today? Um, and that's what I that's what I see when you when you say that intersection. Like yeah. I literally physically see a space where that's where where you see all of these different things coming together. Like yeah. you said, the the culture and the music and the opportunity and the joy yeah. and just my people. And like, I grew up seeing stuff like that. I thrive. I love being outside around my people. And like that intersection, I see us there. It's like the corner of MLK and Malcolm X where I grew up, right? Yeah. Like that, I that's the intersection that I walked up every day to get to the Covenant House. That was my block, right? So like to be able to see us all there, like, I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I see that. Like, that to me is like euphoria, right? To That's see beautiful. all of our people there and, and communing in that way. Yeah. If you think if you think about the, the functional use of an intersection, right, it's you pull up to the intersection and you have to make a choice, right? Mm-hmm. And that choice has all the impact in the world on where you go and where you end up, right? So the, the roads that lead away from an intersection take you someplace. So when people get to this intersection, this intersection, and they get out and they enjoy the block party and they go to the voter registration booth, they go to the education, they go to the experience booth, they go to the build your business booth, they go to the understand your brand booth, they go to the spirituality booth. Where do they go next? When they make that decision to go to that booth, where does that road lead them? I have a visual right now, the Bible of Mm. Jesus in a weird way, Mm. right? Like, as you were talking, like you go and you spread the word. Yeah. Right? Like, I love that. Isn't that beautiful? The gospel. Like, you would go and you spread yeah. the word to the people, the gospel, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, you go and you spread the word to the people because everybody didn't show up to the block party, right? Yeah. You always got somebody that was still in the crib. They late, they missed it, whatever happened. Like, but I see that those people, we're going out and we're spreading the gospel, right? We're, yeah. we're sharing what we learned wow. at the block party. We're, we're like trickling it out and we're spreading it out and we're not being stingy with our knowledge. And, we're going and intentionally finding people to share with, not just our friends, not just our family. We're going and we're intentionally disseminating the information in a way that trickles down so that everybody gets it. I'm here like, to enrich you. Like, that's where I you. see us. Yes. It's, Wouldn't that be no. so beautiful? Yeah. Oh. It's so many ways oh. you could have took that question. And you you killed it. Like, oh, my <laughs> God. It's, it's, it, it almost tells about, like, how, how deeply your strength of belief is in community. Is to where for individuals who may have missed the opportunity at that particular moment, that you have a path for them too, because somebody there is actually gonna introduce yeah. them to what happened. And I, I think that's yeah. you 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 can't you you can't talk about community without having that level of connection to community, knowing that people did miss it because hey they had to study or hey they had to pick up little Johnny from daycare yeah. and, and like that's that's. If you show up lost, you've got someone whose job is to enrich you, oh, direct yeah. you. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Nobody's left behind. I want to go to this yeah. intersection. I want to. I want to go teach and Me learn. Me too. I yeah. Go, I want to yeah. go live. There. I want to show right. up there. I want to. Right. I want to live on that block. Like <laughs> right. right. Right in that intersection. <laughs> oh, art. Tell you it's called right kinship there. and kinfolk. Kinship That's it. And kinfolk. The like, intersection. Uh, there we I, go. 
Yeah, when I think of, I know people are always laughing because I talk about this a lot. I talked to my team literally just yesterday. I was like, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young company. I'm a startup. I'm bootstrapping. Nobody's, aside from the Hennessy grant, which I'm really grateful for, nobody else is throwing money. We apply for stuff. We don't get it. Like, you know, all the plights that happen for, for Black people as founders, but you all know the statistics about, around Black women founders, the lack of support that we get, right? Yeah. So like, that it's so true and it's so real. And so I was telling my team, I'm like, you know, 2022, like kinship and kinfolk. Like we've had to focus now on our clients and stuff like that. And we're going to keep all that work going and growing. But like at the end of the day, like kinship and kinfolk is what I'm describing to you guys right now. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of vision and it t- takes a lot. But I feel like, you know, what we're going to do, bringing our community together in that way, I think is just going to be going to be what we're talking about. Like yeah. I have, I have faith that we'll be able to bring that together in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, which would be exciting. All right. So when, when I, when I take a step back and I think about what it is that you do and the people that you work with that, that create this change that impacts all of us, right? This, I almost hate to say this, but this, I'm not gonna say it. Never mind. So <laughs> the people that you work with are, are established. They're, they're high level. They have influence, credibility, money, power, all that, right? They are the star athlete. They're the amazing influencer. They are an entertainer. And those people have a brand already built in that allows them through you to connect with other movers and shakers and create difference, right? Mm -hmm. But that passion that's inside them to do that work, even when you bring it out and make it bigger, is probably there before they have that brand, before they have that reach, before they have that voice. So, if we take what you do and we think about it on a local level or a regional level, and you think about the star athlete from the small town, or you, you think about the star athlete from a, from a college who doesn't yet have the ability to build these bridges and can't quite work with you yet, how do they emulate this formula and create that meaningful, needed difference and change in their community? Yeah, it's a great question. But I think the reality is, is that it starts where you are, mm. right? Like, period. It always starts where you are. Doesn't matter how, what you got, what you don't have, it starts where you are. And I think as a people, and I think this applies to everyone, but I'm gonna talk to my people for a minute. When it comes to local government, when it comes to local change, for whatever reason, we act like it doesn't matter, right? I always yeah. think about, you know, elections and everybody talks about the presidential election. Well, you know what really matters is not that because you ain't really going to feel none of that. Right. Literally, you're never going to feel like it's going to be so rare. Maybe the president gives you extra unemployment for a couple months. Maybe that's how much you feel it. But that's it. But it's your local government. It's your local community. It's what's happening right in your neighborhood, right underneath your nose, where the real power is. And I think that I would tell those people in order to make real change, this will really be disruptive, right? Is to right. dig in and lean into what's happening right there in your local market so that you can actually see and you live there, right? So you see and you live the, the, you live the issues. But the, my steps would be, what's the low-hanging fruit? And then what's the big picture goal? There's always a low-hanging fruit you could do in your neighborhood, in your community. I don't know if that's your local coat drive, the thing you're going to do with the food, whatever that is. And there's a big picture thing. The big picture thing can't happen unless you're activating the other communities, you know, members around you. Yeah. So that's a whole lot of work for the people to do before you even, celebrity or not, that's a lot of work. Right. So if people are really out there, they're trying to really make a difference. Hit your low hanging fruit that will energize you. You know, doing something good makes you feel good. I used to yeah. always say that as a kid. I volunteered. Covenant House was my thing. I, I was always at the Covenant House. So like I would, I would volunteer and I would do all this work. 
And I would get so emotional. And I remember my dad would be like, oh, like, you're gonna get ulcers. You're always worrying about the people. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, no, I'm just, I just feel so good after I do it. Like, it's not even about them. It was, I just felt so good. And I felt guilty. I'm like, why do I feel so good? Like, like not seeing people struggle, but I felt so good being there yeah. with them. Like, and it was such a weird, like, feeling that I've, I've always had. Just, I always felt like it filled me up. It, it gave me more than it gave them, right? And I think that when you look at local people, like, that's how you have to look at it. Like, you pouring back into what's right in front of you is going to do so much for you and so much for them that mm. all this other stuff that we're doing is powerful. It's impactful. And it's on, on this bigger scale. But like, you're, those are the people that we go to see, right? Yeah. Like, when we're, when we're doing the work in the fund, we're going and finding those people in the community. It's not the most glitz and glamour. We want to go find who's in LA and Milwaukee and New Orleans and Indy doing the real work. And we go to those places. I'm going to New Orleans, you know, December 9th to go see all those organizations and all those people and be in the community. So that's what I would say to them is like, they actually have all the power and the influence more so than anybody else because they get to really impact real change. So, but people aren't doing it the way that the way, not the way that they should. People are doing it. But I think people underestimate the power of that. Yeah. I love that. It's mm. a lot of your a lot of your work seems to amplify voice, magnify dreams, inspire action. And and when I think about that, someone had to do that for you as well, right? So in your relationships and in, in your ecosystem, how are you inspired? And then in, in turn, how are you inspiring others? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I get inspired. I know, I know it sounds so like whatever cliche, but like really by my ancestors. Like mm. my dad is somebody who there is not a day, maybe maybe a day that goes by where he's dropping pictures in the family WhatsApp chat that show my 109-year-old uh, you know, great-grandmother, how she was teaching until she was 90. Or showing like some, you know, the tombstones of my family members and what they did growing up or, you know, putting faces to like, there's something like to me, I just, I feel like a a responsibility and I feel like, you know, I was born this way. Like, honestly, like I really feel like God put it on my heart to, to care about these things. I was like this when I was young. Like I literally would get ulcers and like, be mad at my parents about homeless people and mm-hmm. be like, what is it? Like, what's what's up with you? Like, bring the homeless people in the house. Like, they ain't got a house. Bring them in the crib. Like, and so like, it just, I've, I've been like this my whole life and it's, you know, not a burden to bear, but but part part of it is like, I wonder like, when is enough enough, right? Like, when, it, like, will I ever feel like I'm doing enough? Yeah. You know? And I think about that. Like, is there, and my friends ask me, like, my, my family too, because I'm not married yet. I don't have kids yet. So plug to all the homies. Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful. Uh, <laughs> side note. But. <laughs> like, like, shit, I, I hear the DM starting up right, right. now. <laughs> we, ain't even, we ain't even released the episode right. yet. The DMs is about to be popping. <laughs> <laughs> I hear engines revving. I, nigga, I, these niggas, they ready. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm also serious, so I'll act. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but my family asked me, they're like, when are you gonna stop working so hard? And I'm like, never. Like, it's it sounds funny, but like I just I feel like when something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. 
But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I feel like this is what I'm out here to do, right? Uh, and I, yeah. yes, I want a partner in crime to do this with. Again, I'm going to keep plugging that. But like, <laughs> no, like, but seriously, like, I just, I feel like that it inspires me, the idea that I can make a difference. And yeah. I've always felt that way. My family inspires me and all that. And then how am I inspired or how do I inspire people is, you know, I, I do this, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. feel like I used to have such a big, I hated public speaking. I don't like how I look in pictures and on camera and all these different insecurities that we all have. And like, always my whole life. So I always would say. <laughs> we both like, hold skirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, and I don't say that to like, you mm. know, get the compliment, but like legit, this is how I was for most of my life, right? I just turned 40. I didn't start having these conversations and accepting opportunities to have these conversations until like three or four years ago. And that was some of my, my girlfriends saying, you know, on the side, you say all this, you're preaching the gospel, but like maybe other people want to hear you. Like you're always turning down these opportunities. And so that for me was a changing point, you know, being able to, I I was thrust into this uh, uh, experience to like speak on a stage for the NBA, for this powerful women's summit. It was my first time doing anything like that. And it was the worst thing ever. I'm sweating and all all the things. Um, But like, once I did it, people were coming up to me crying. Right. And I was like, wow, like I made you cry. Like how, like, what did I say? And they're like, man, like it was just so touching. Like your story was so truthful and you're so vulnerable. And, and anyway, I'm not saying this to my own heart. I'm saying this to, to tell the story of how I am finding ways to inspire people. And then I also feel like in addition to that, in addition to sharing, in addition to hopefully motivating people, like I, I like to inspire the people closest to me, right? Like my family and my nieces and my team and, you know, the people that I can touch, you know, as, as much as I can touch them. I want to share all my ups and downs and my way, the way that I think. Like, I know I think differently yeah. and I'm really like proud of that. And I've, I've noticed that more and more that when I talk to other people that don't think like me. I'm like, oh, let me go ahead and tell you how I'm thinking about it. Like, <laughs> let me... Let me give you some ideas. Get on my level, um, playing again. Get on my right. level. <laughs> yep. I heard it but that I got time some too. Ideas. <laughs> you know, like so. That's you know, it's I, that. Those are the types of things. And then you know, we're just talking about John Q. Like I'm a, I, I like to, I like to hear stories of disruption and perseverance and people taking risks and. Like, I have not always been a risk taker, right. but I've had to made a, a conscious effort, you know, working with protégés at risk, right? I just started yeah. my own company. Why the hell yeah. would I start working with another company when I'm the CEO of a new startup? People ask yeah. me that. And I'm like, uh, because I want to, like, level up, right? Like, yeah. they, I believe what they believe in. But also, white men have three, four, five companies. Yep, right. I can't do two. Like, don't even think about coming to me with, like, don't spread your time too thin. Like, I got this. Like, Whatever, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So even just that, like pushing myself and, you know, they, and seeing other people do really well is inspiring to me as well. Yeah. Love well, it. I've only got one question left and, and then we'll move toward closing the episode. You sure it ain't two? I, really, it was two, but I decided <laughs> you, so you, you wouldn't call me it. out. I just it. go say one. Gotcha. <laughs> 
Now, it's, it's going to be a one question with two parts. Watch this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, in, in, in real life, right, you're, you're a CEO, right? And, and you mm-hmm. run the kinship advisors, which means you're used to power and influence and control. And you work with people who are in themselves powerful and influential. So in that, you're used to speaking to people, large amounts of people, one-on-one. But if you were to wake up tomorrow with this new superpower and it gave you the ability to have power and influence over the people who could hear you, and specifically, they had to do whatever you said. They had to think whatever you thought and whatever you told them to think. This power specifically reaches black people and white people. Mm-hmm. How do you control each group? What do they do? This mm. this real life superhero shit right here. <laughs> it is. Man, that's a hard question. But what would I have them do? For black folk, I would have us see our power. Mm. I know this sounds weird. Like I went to to Ghana for a year of return when it was it was turning into 2022, you know, when everybody went on that trip. So right. I was with, you know, Boris and Bozma and the whole crew, right? And we're out there, we go to the slave, slave, they call them castles, I call them dungeons. Yeah. Why is it a castle? Um, and so I'm there and you could see the floors, like the the blood that was still there, like the the dungeons are on the coast of the water. So you 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 see how the ships came up and stole our people and how the how the castle was really it was it was our the African castle it was literally it was a castle for greatness and then the white people came and they took over and enslaved us and did all the things that they did and like that experience for me was so so powerful and all it did was have me come back and tell all the black people tell all my people I'm like y'all we are the most we are the the most superior and I'm not even trying to be like shady or anything like that but we are the we are the superior being like. We don't treat people that way, right? Like, right. we're not going out there and enslaving white, white people and doing what they did to us now. We're not evil. You know, there's a difference, right? But we, we're the superior person, right. right? And they knew that because when you know your history, you know that they went and they sought out the, the people that were the strongest and the women that were the most fertile. And they went and they specifically, systematically found all the, the powerful people that, that, were, that were African and they they robbed them and killed them and they stole them and did all these different things and so it's a long way of saying that I would I would get into the minds of my people and say like we we are the superior ones like we can't hurt ourselves and be down on ourselves and have fear and and be so um, I don't know what the word is like we're just so we get so defeated right like yeah. even when I think about something as easy as like voting. And the reason why we don't is because we don't trust the system. We're so defeated. We're so defeated all the time. So in our minds, I would just change our minds to be more optimistic mm. and full of, um, I don't know, just full of our true power is what I would do for my yeah. people. Not for the white folk. Look, I'm the- <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just- That's harder. Um, I guess like the PC. <laughs> The PC answer, I mean, I guess for them, I would have them not be, have them have their eyes wide open for reality, yeah. right? Because I think for so many white folks, they act like they see, they act like they know, but they, they're so defensive around their history yeah. 
that I would have them see the reality of what they did. I would take them back to those days and have them watch themselves. Let a little truth in. Oh, yeah. Like if I had a superpower for them, I would have them look into what they did. Mm. Like watch. Yeah. Like Mm. watch over what you did, you know? It would be like programming them. We reprogramming them. I like Mm. that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. But I want them to see what they did though, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's so unfathomable. That's why they act like, oh, this wasn't me. I I didn't know the ancestor. No, I want you to see though. Because it's the most egregious evil. The, The fact that they put the... The, the this is crazy stuff. Like they they would put they would build they would put the, our people under the church mm. and say that God wants you under here, right? Like they would take the things that were the most powerful and most sacred to us and say, God put you under here. Like He wants you here, right? And then you could hear the church bells, and then it's brainwashing in your mind, and they're just all just you know I can go on and on and on, yeah. but like yeah. it would be about that, right? Yeah. About exposure and like. Really seeing that, yeah. yeah I feel that. Mm. Listen, Alexis, this was an amazing interview. Um, at the end of all our interviews, we always do this. We hand the mic over to our guest, and you can tell the people whatever it is <laughs> that's on your heart to tell them. So it's yours. I mean, I feel like I've said a lot. I think the people... You know, I just want to say I, I love being black. Is that too, mm. like, whatever? But like, <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> like, af- after all the different things, like, you know, while black is, I would rather be no other place, right? Mm. I would rather be in, in no other culture, with, amongst no other group. With all the things that we just talked about, I still just have such a level of, man, there's no, there's, there's no other people I'd rather be amongst, right? Like, mm-hmm. ever. Like, yeah. there's nothing... There's nothing appealing to me about anybody else other than us. Like, obviously, I'm inclusive as a person now, you know, I'm, I'm an inclusive person. But in general, like, I'm just so, I'm so, you know, grateful to be in the skin I'm in. Yeah. Is how, yeah. you know, how I believe it. That's awesome. You know? Well, look, tell the people how to catch up with you, learn more about you, engage, and then we'll close this thing yeah. down. Slide in my DMs at Alexis the Great. Um, A-L-E-X-Y-S the Great. Uh, oh, so say it one more time. We started laughing. Say it one more time. Uh, Alexis, Alexis uh, the Great, right? Alexis with the Y. A-L-E-X-Y-S the Great. Um, All I website. hear right now is these Negroes sliding on crazy. Place. Like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and fellas... You know, the, the the episode notes will have a link to her page, uh, yes. uh, her, her site. You'll see her. Watch. Yeah, <laughs> website is thekinshipadvisors.com. And our IG is also The Kinship. Uh, but yeah, holla at us, reach out, come work with us. You don't have to be the most famous celebrity to, to work with us and build your legacy and your social impact work. So reach out, holla at us. I think that's it. Awesome. Art, right, you got anything, bro? You've been a joy on on, on Wild Black. I, w- I will tell you, we need more people with your heart for us in the world. So please continue doing what you're doing. It is such important work, and we we just thank you for being born with this gift that you have, and in, in a in an amazing way to articulate the importance of it. Yeah, one hundred. Thank you. I ain't got anything Appreciate to add. Y'all. Dig in, folks. <laughs> Go learn what she did. Learn how you can make an impact yourself. Get better. Keep fucking with Wild Black. Peace. We out. We love you. Hey there. 
Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.